Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 132, American Family Insurance. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play a very short message, which I am fairly sure is the voice of my mother, making it her sixth message on the podcast. The message is four seconds long and comes from the fall of 1989. Let's listen. An American family insurance? Assuming this message is from my mom, the question is what it could mean. My best guess is that she is calling to discuss transferring car insurance for the 1981 blue Honda Accord she had recently sold to me. My first car was a 1973 Dodge Dart, but the maintenance was becoming too much of a burden, and my mom was upgrading to a Pontiac Sunbird convertible, which may seem a little crazy for Minnesota, but she loved cruising the city on long summer nights. As for the Honda, to say that I already had a history with this car is to put it mildly. My mom's Accord hatchback was the central figure in the most traumatic event of my high school years. It was the winter of my senior year, and my mom was going out of town for a week. Before leaving, she emphasized, Do not let anyone else into the house, and do not use the car. But when word gets around you are home alone, friends have a way of pressuring you, and soon one mellow night of getting high became a week of debauchery. During this week, I lost track of who all was spending the night, but apparently my friend Tony had not been home for a while, and when he did return, his parents were more than a little peeved. A story spread that his father was giving him a severe beating, and he wanted to run away. I'm not sure where this story came from, but I'm pretty sure it was my friend Tim who suggested we rescue him, using, you guessed it, my mom's Honda. Since Tim was the only one not wasted at the time, naturally he had to drive. So four of us... I believe it was Tim, Kevin, Alex, and me, headed over to the working-class neighborhood of Frogtown, where Tony lived. At first, we parked around the block from the house, and Tim ran over to pelt pebbles at Tony's second-floor bedroom to get his attention. Of course, none of us had cell phones at the time. After a little while, Tim returned with no success. But instead of giving up, my co-conspirators convinced me that Tony's life was in danger, and we should try one more time. Perhaps because it was a cold winter night, Tim decided to move the car closer. In fact, he parked directly in front of Tony's house. Once again, Tim got out to hurl small stones at Tony's window. After he had left the car... I glanced over and noticed the keys were still in the ignition. In my stoned state, 
I instinctively removed the keys and put them in my pocket. A fateful decision. Suddenly, Tim is running full speed towards the car. He opens the door, sits down, and shouts, Where's the keys? Where's the keys? I look at him confused for a moment, and then begin searching my pockets. Meanwhile, I notice a figure with a long lead pipe approach the car. Bang! 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 Three shattering blows fall upon the windshield. By this time, I had returned the keys to Tim, and he was able to start the car. With Freddy Krueger apparently on the verge of slaughtering us, Tim somehow pulled away, turning on the windshield wipers in a senseless attempt to clear the glass shards from view. When my mom returned, considering the disaster I had left for her to clean up, the scolding I received was relatively restrained. With regards to the car, she initially tried to ask Tony's father directly to pay for the broken windshield. But when he refused, my mom had to hire a lawyer. This led my friends to sympathize not with me, but with Tony's dad, which made me feel betrayed on many levels. After all, they were the ones who had pushed me to use my mom's car for this risky escape plan. And now they were siding with the brutal prison warden from Cool Hand Luke. Nonetheless, it did provide me with an entertaining story, which I ended up using in a course on orality and narrative taught by Professor James Fernandez in the fall of 1986. It was basically a graduate seminar, but as was common at the University of Chicago back then, undergrads were allowed to enroll as well. The class was lively, and I often sat at the table right next to Fernandez. One time, after I had made some cheeky remark, he reached over and hit my forehead with a snapped finger like I was a kindergartner. Anyways... In the class, he asked if any students wanted to perform a narrative. I volunteered and recounted the tale of my mom's Honda, using my alto saxophone to interject screeching blasts for occasional points of emphasis. Fernandez said he enjoyed the performance, and he gave me a B for the course. All right, that's it for this week. If you have a high school catastrophe to share, please contact me through my website, pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.